Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepard and thank you so much for clicking on another brand new episode. If you are new here, I hope you're enjoying the back catalogue and I always say it, I know I do, but please do rate, review and subscribe. It really helps us out. On today's episode, we've got Cameron Jeffers. Cameron is a high-level cyclist and a YouTuber who at the time of recording is about to hit 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's done some amazing and imaginative challenges on his channel and it was a real pleasure to catch up with Cam. I've got to say that this episode was recorded, of course, before any of these social distancing measures did come into play, and I really hope you and the family are staying safe and well. Let's get to the episode. Cameron Jeffers is on Why in the World. Cam, how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you for having me up here. Uh, it's Monday morning, nine o'clock as we're recording this. So yeah, it's, it's an early one. You've got the coffee on the go. Yep, yep. You didn't want one. I did offer. You did offer, <laughs> and uh, we've just seen your barista skills uh, in the coffee machine that you've got <laughs> behind us right now. You're just saying you can't draw anything. <laughs> no, I'm expecting you to draw a milky bike or something on the top of your coffee. Hey, it all tastes the same though, right? Yeah. Well, there is that. I went I to a cafe. I went to a cafe once, and they did have. They did have a bike on the top, and I was like, "How the oh. heck have you made that?" But it turns out they just had like a, um, they just had like a template okay. with a bike, and then just used a just used like a bit of chocolate powder to to make the template. It's a bit less impressive when you find that out, right? I know, yeah. yeah. So why cycling, mate? Let's get straight into it. Why cycling? Uh, good question. I originally started racing BMX bikes back when I was probably about eight years old so so back when I was really young and then when I was about 15 and 16 I transitioned into into road cycling but my parents have always been into sport my dad's from Northern Ireland he played he played football at a pretty high level he played um table tennis for for, the, for Northern Ireland and then my mum's always been into into hockey as well so yeah I guess I just come from a sporting background and mm. it's kind of it's, it's 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 rubbed off on on us good question what you like at table tennis then if your old man's good at table tennis <laughs> I'm not too bad I'm not too <laughs> bad like when we go uh when we go away with a team like if we stay in some accommodation if there's if there's a table tennis table we always have a bit of a tournament and I always I always come out on top but yeah nothing nothing special <laughs> like <laughs> how did you start with YouTube then because obviously you're a successful cyclist, you're a very good cyclist. Why did you kind of decide that you wanted to get into the field of filming yourself and uploading it for other people to see as well? Um, yeah, it all started back in the BMX days. Me and my mates, I think I got a GoPro for a bir- my birthday or, or for Christmas or something. And me and my mates would literally go go to the BMX track, do some jumps, film each other jump in and I kind of put it all together in a little little montage not to upload to YouTube I think this is like pre-YouTube days okay. probably 2010 well I guess it guess YouTube had started but it wasn't for, for YouTube or anything it's just these little these little edits to kind of have and look back at and I think I think he used to upload them to Facebook actually shout but, out Bebo I know yeah <laughs> yeah literally yeah and then and they kind of kind of progress that when I when I stopped BMX it, I kind of stopped doing doing those little little videos and then yeah probably about four or five years ago now I, I always consume a lot of content like I guess most millennials do right you, you always watch YouTube you don't watch TV so I just kind of wanted to start it again and obviously it's kind of the, the times when when vlogging was getting bigger and bigger which is essentially just a video blog um, so I decided to document what I was doing in, in my training and then yeah, kind of my racing away with away with with the lads, the the teammates and stuff, and try and document my life as a 
a cyclist racing mm. on an elite team in the UK. And yeah, it kind of, it kind of naturally progressed. And I guess what I'm trying to do is, is take cycling into the mainstream media and show that, show them how good of a, you know, how good firstly exercise is for yourself, for your health, you know, both mentally and physically and how good a, a sport cycling is. And, and the way I'm, I'm trying to do that is by doing these challenge videos where I'm, well, I guess the, the main one that's on my channel is me and my mate took the cheapest plane tickets in Europe. We ended up in Limoges in the south of France and we, we took our bikes in cardboard boxes and then uh, over six or seven days, we, we cycled home. It's like 100 miles a day. And then I, yeah, I had my camera, documented the whole process and created a video from it. And I think that video is now on like 700,000 views. Mm. And um, it got picked up by Lad Bible and Sport Bible and Unilad with like these big mainstream kind of social media outlets. So yeah, it's just it's just trying to create fun little engaging videos that, for the mainstream, not mm. necessarily just for your your hardcore cyclist. It seems that your channel now is much more what I would call content led. So there's there's actual ideas that are going into these videos rather than you just documenting your life on a day to day basis. And I think that is going to help you do what you just said, like kind of try and spread cycling to the masses because. You know the one that you put up a few days ago, which was you racing a Ferrari across <laughs> London. It's a cool video and it's a cool concept, and people will see that and be like, "Ah, this yeah. is a bit of a laugh." This actually, yeah. I'm in a bit of a well, not a fortunate position. I'm in a position that I'm in that I'm able to do these videos because I'm an I'm I'm a fit cyclist, right? You know, I'm doing these challenges where I'm where I'm doing some some long rides. Not not everyone can do that. I, mean, I guess everyone can do it eventually because all I'm doing is riding a bicycle. But because I'm I'm fit and able, I'm in that position. I feel like I should make the most of of, of doing that. Uh, but yeah, like you said, every every that's kind of my my mentality now or my ethos that every video I upload has to have that original concept or mm. original idea or, or kind of some sort of direction in mind, not just a random vlog. I mean, half half the time here and here and here in sunny west lancashire it's, it's it's raining and it's cold you know the, the last thing i want to be doing is taking a camera out training and talking about what i'm doing and I, and that's exactly what happened i got to a stage where i was like this doesn't motivate me anymore i'd upload a video every single day and it'd get ten thousand views which is yeah ten thousand views is, is good but i've been getting ten thousand views for the past two years the, mm. the channel wasn't really growing so i had a bit of a break i had three or four weeks of not not doing any social media not uploading any videos and i kind of decided to go on that trip with my mate Brian like I said to, to the south of France and I was like right let's 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 try and do something different here and that's kind of how it, how it started. Do you feel the pressure to continually upload though because you've got this growing audience and this growing channel is that a thing that you do feel? I used to yeah definitely used to I used to get very stressed out about about having to upload and kind of being on that on that grind as they say mm -hmm. but I, I used to think that in order to grow I had to upload I had to upload videos, but I realized that when I started uploading this this new type of content, my channel has been growing more in the last three or four months than it has kind of for the last three years. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's just luck or maybe that's because the YouTube algorithms are changing, but it's, it seems to be like that when you're uploading original good content, then your channel does grow, actually grow more than just that quantity of, of, yeah. of uploads on your channel. I think sometimes people think that with anything this is, isn't it, if you just throw as much as you can out then that's going to help you that's not necessarily the case if something isn't to a high standard and the content isn't good yeah then maybe it's going to hinder you rather than help you because people can always look back exactly yeah. they know what you used to do kind of thing yeah um in terms of cycling itself what have you seen change in the world of cycling since you've been in it 
in terms of like traditional the traditional kind of side of things yeah in terms of like public perception to cycling um i definitely think it's 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 getting better and i think that's helped by obviously the the olympic success of of great britain just you know it becomes more known like for example bradley wiggins literally lived a couple doors down from from me he's moved he moved like last year but he used to live just just down the road basically so around here this area where i live is always so many <laughs> so many cyclists mm. i think as a participation sport it's getting bigger and bigger but i think actually for from like a racing point of view it's probably getting it's probably getting smaller and I, I, yeah i'm not too sure why exactly that is but i know in the last in the last couple of years there's been a, quite a few high level domestic teams closing down and, and shutting down and i guess it kind of shows from the stuff i've been doing my when i upload racing content it kind of gets less views than if i go on an, a, a three-day bike packing adventure do you think maybe that's because that three-day bike packing adventure is something that people might see as a little bit more accessible? Definitely. So, and it's all about being relatable with, with the viewers. Maybe your average viewer is, is a middle-aged man, he's, he's married and got two kids. He can't just go out for three days and ride mm. his bike. Physically, he can, but he, you know, he can't. So he likes to live vicariously through that video, whereas maybe maybe racing isn't as desirable or yeah like you said maybe it's maybe it's not as accessible it's a very expensive sport i'm fortunate enough that i'm on a team that supplies you know well i have i have a personal bike sponsor but um i have a team that that kind of pays for the hotels and pays for race entry fees and pays for all that kind of stuff for nutrition so i don't have to pay personally Mm. for pretty much anything in terms of racing but yeah you maybe your average your average kind of Joe Bloggs that's getting into the sport. It's a, it is a very ex- it's expensive sport, and it's becoming more so now. It's becoming more so of a, of, I guess, a middle class sport. Bikes are get, getting more expensive. Even kit that you, that you wear because companies are making more aerodynamic kit that's going to save you X amount of watts. And because they're doing that, the prices of, of, of stuff is, is getting pretty crazy. Do you think that could be a problem in the future? Yeah, definitely. You're always going to have your your you know your wealthy guys that are going to be able to afford this is a bit of a hobby to them and, yeah. and blowing 10, 10 grand on a on a fancy Cervelo TT bike is nothing is pennies to them but you're, you're never going to really grow the sport with stuff like that mm. um, your average person who wants to get into the sport isn't going to spend 10 grand on an e-bike yeah. are they? No you just want to pop down Halfords and get something that's a couple of hundred quid yeah exactly don't you? in terms of your cycling career itself have you ever got bored of training <laughs> do you always like training i think everyone gets bored i was chatting to a guy called russ downing who's kind of he's, he's pretty he's pretty known on the domestic scene he's been around for probably about 20 20 25 years he rode for team sky actually for for, for a couple of years back in the day 2010 when he when they set up and i was chatting to him about it because he's always known as kind of like the hard man of cycling he goes out he lives in he lives in yorkshire in the hills and he goes out in the snow he's telling me how he went up snake pass couple of years ago when it was closed because of the snow just so he could see how high high he could get he's that he's that type of guy and i said do you are you always motivated how how does it how does it work and he said no um he said he's not he said when the if the weather's real bad and you have a day where you don't want to go out then then just don't and I, I think that's kind of kind of similar to me i don't necessarily love training but i love being fit and i love being healthy and i love being active and then, you know, I love racing and it's kind of the same situation. If, if you wake up a day on a day and it's, it's horrible weather or whatever, then, you know, you, you have a train inside or, or you just have it, you have a day off and um, you just don't, you don't kind of get too hung up on, on that fact. Mm. What do you do when you maybe struggle with motivation? 
I just try and think how easy I, I've got it, right? You know, my job's my job's YouTube, my job's making videos in the internet. And because of that, it, it allows me to basically train as a full-time athlete. So when I, when I wake up in the morning, I think, oh, the weather's rubbish. You know, I just think of all the people I've got to be out in this working, you know, nine to five all day. For example, my dad, he, he left school at 14. He grew up on a farm in Northern Ireland, typical Irish family, kind of hard as nails. And he had to, he had to work from when he was 14 years old he didn't even do his exams from school and I reckon I could count the days he's had off sick you know on two hands so whenever I think that oh is this this isn't this is hard this is rubbish then I just kind of I think back to to him and you know his his worth ethic and mentality and what he has to do to provide you know for for, for, for my family and the, the, the sacrifices that you know him and also my mum's made and yeah, then I kind of realised that, all right, it's not that bad, actually. If I have to go out training in four hours and it's wet and cold, then just get it done. Like, and, it, and it finishes, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's only four hours. Like, you might think four hours is a long time to, to train, but in a 24-hour day, it's only, you know, it's a very small portion of it, right? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Do you see the cycling world now as something that is kind of, ingrained into you could you ever see your life without cycling that's a good question i think i don't i don't know i don't know at, at the minute i'd probably say no just because i i am a real lover of, of of exercise and fitness and i do love i do love racing and i've i mean i've tried other sports especially in the off season like i'll go running or swimming or i'll go to the gym and i just i just i can't get into it i just can't get into it like i get into cycling and whether that's just because I'm kind of stuck in my ways or because I genuinely do love it more than any other sport. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> what is it like to, you mentioned feeling super fit and like that feeling of feeling fit. What's it like to have tried to climb up a climb and you're blowing out your ass, you can't get up there and you're struggling and then six months later you go back and you do it again and you fly up there. That's got to be an insane feeling an incredible feeling you've trained for this and you've uh, you've done it you know there's no easier way to see how fit you are than, than smash it on the climb and I always like doing it when I go abroad somewhere for the first time or uh, for example I've been to Calpe a couple of times in, in Spain and there's a climb there called Calderats so the first year that I went I, I, I smashed it up there did whatever time I did and then came home spent a year racing and training and, and then went back the next year and I did the same, same climb and I was faster and you know there's no easier way to see how how much fitter you're getting than smashing up a climb and seeing your, yeah. your time on Strava improve that's a great feeling and that keeps up your motivation which obviously we've talked about isn't it because the fitter you get the more motivated you get and the better you get at the end of the day exactly if you had to pick between racing and social cycling what would you pick do you reckon I say social cycling I mean like the challenge led stuff stuff with your mates oh that's another good question people keep asking me about it and it is and it's, it's hard to answer because it's so hard, isn't it? the, the, the challenges the videos is, is is my job it's my living it's my day-to-day -day, you know what makes me money i guess whereas the racing you know other than winning 50 quid prize money on a sunday morning i don't earn any money from racing so yeah it is a hard question and whether i'll have to get to a stage where i have to make a decision um i'm not sure yet i guess it depends how much i progress within the water cycling and get to a level where I can be paid. Everyone always says, oh, we should be paid. I, I, I want to be a professional cyclist. I want to be paid, but I'm realistic about it. And currently where I'm at, yeah, I'm pretty good on a national scale. I got second in a national 
race last year at the Durham Tour Series, but you know I'm not good enough to be paid yet. So yeah, the, the social media, the, the the YouTube channel, that's my job. So at the minute, it's about just trying to find a balance between the two, and I think I think it's working okay. There's been a few stages, you know, a few times recently where I've got a few different brand deals that companies are asking me to do, and they're all like, "Oh, we, we need it done for." before the end of April and, I'm, and I'm, so now I'm looking at my, my race schedule and my training schedule thinking oh no like this is going to be pretty tricky and yeah trying to have to to balance both the things but um yeah it's just about being time efficient and from where you are now obviously a very high-end <coughs> cyclist a very very good cyclist what would you have to do to get up to that next stage and to get that pro title and that get, um, get the payment that you're talking about just win races and yeah, kind of, kind of get get known. Um, I've only been at I've only been at kind of this top level like elite cycling for the past couple of years, so I'm improving. This year, I'm I'm definitely fitter than I was last year, so I'm stronger now. Like I'm doing higher numbers when I'm when I'm training than than it was last year. So I think it's kind of just that that natural progression. I don't think you have to to reinvent the wheel. It's the more you train, the faster you're going to go and even just looking at stuff like your nutrition and and you know making sure you're taking multivitamins like i'm the worst from a nutritional point of view like I, I, you know I, I i like eating sweets so i eat sweets and i don't ever take multivitamins or whatever the case may be so maybe i should i should start looking into this kind of the stuff off the bike as well and yeah it's kind of and also what i've done this year a little bit differently is focus more on my strength so i come from bmx racing it's a fast twitch sport it's a it's a high power sport which in cycling you know it's more of an endurance sport it's more of a, a, a slow twitch a slow twitch sport but at the end of a bike race you're still sprinting so you're still needing that max power so this year i've done a lot more work in the gym lifting weights doing kind of fast movements and and, and um you know but the box jumps even sprints out on the bike it's working on the kind of the technique and and yeah the, my, my brute power so hopefully hopefully this year i'll be more of a more of a sprinter and yeah maybe it will help me win some bike races <laughs> fingers crossed mate i always find it really interesting when <clears throat> talking to particularly cyclists but runners and swimmers and everything about how technical everything's become now. It is a numbers game. Can you imagine being back in the 1920s on a bike race, going through the Alps or whatever, the difference to what there is now yeah. is just enormous, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think it's like anything in the world, isn't it? Innovation happens and times change. It's like any any industry. Mm you know modernization happens and especially when you have when you have different brands in, in industries and everyone's competing against each other everyone wants to have the best product and everyone's bikes want to be want to be the fastest and most aerodynamic so mm. yeah i think it's only a natural kind of it's only a natural kind of thing to this point then what would you say is your your highlight your career highlight probably getting second last year at the at the durham tour series just because in the UK, the, the Tour Series is quite, there's quite a lot of heritage behind it. Essentially, it's one hour races around city centres. They close all the roads off and, you know, it's always a good atmosphere because all the locals kind of get behind it, which is really cool. Every year, like these, the rounds go to different places. So um, they've been, they've actually been been to Southport in the past near, near where I live. They've been up in Barrow last year. They were up in Aberdeen, Motherwell in Scotland, down in salisbury down south but one kind of round that sticks every year is durham just because of kind of 
the the course that it's on half the course is on a cobbled climb right. and then and then you, you kind of go through around the cathedral and then drop back down to the bottom of the climb and it's quite a sharp right hand turn and it's just it's a cobbled turn so there's there's loads of hay bales to stop people going straight straight ahead and it does happen a few people don't turn right and go straight but yeah so that round has kind of stayed every year since the tour series has started so it becomes this kind of iconic round that everyone wants to win and um yeah last year i got second basically so that's pretty the highlight the highlight of my year and also in terms of in terms of the cycling publicity and stuff it's good the tour series is always good because it's broadcasted um on itv they show the highlights so in terms of like sponsors and stuff it's pretty cool mm. what about low lights in terms of injuries and things like that i've been pretty lucky that i haven't really had any injuries uh, no, I've had, I've had a few crashes, but I've never had any breaks. Or I broke my arm and I broke my leg, but that was from jumping off a chair, not not from cycling, <laughs> not crashing into some hay bales. No, no. And when I went back when I did um, BMX race, and I, I tore I tore the ligaments in my in my ankle, so I was on crutches for a few months. But yeah, touch wood. I've been I've been I've touched some wood. They're both reaching back there. <laughs> touch wood. Um, I've I've not had any bad bad injuries mm. in cycling. And whether that's partly luck, and or also because I've come from BMX, like I'm, I, you know, I can handle a bike pretty well, so I can kind of work my way through a bunch, or or I can avoid a crash and swerve, or whatever the case may be. But yeah, either way, I've I've been I've been lucky. You've been some amazing places. You've said that you do a fair bit of training abroad, and you have done a fair bit of training abroad. Mm-hmm. Is there a is there a climb? Is there a route? Is there something that sticks out to you that you would say if you were gonna go back and do something again you'd 100% go back you just love it for me personally the the best place where I've ever ridden was was the Alps last year and it's the first time I've ever been and, and I only got the opportunity to go there for a few days and I did you know a couple of the big the big climbs called the Madeleine the ride up to Val Torrens it's just insane especially you know you got the sunshine because you, you kind of had the climate of of somewhere like Mallorca but you just have these alpine these long alpine climbs which are like an hour an hour long and they just switch back through the mountains through the trees there's no wind there's very little cars and it's just so quiet and peaceful mm. and the road quality the, the road quality quality is amazing as well which is more than what can be said for for lancashire um, <laughs> so yeah hopefully hopefully i'm trying to, i'm trying to put plans in place to go back this year as well <laughs> the passion for it out there is insane as well isn't oh it? the french love the cycling it's, it's kind of installed within their within their heritage you know the the tour de france and 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 all the other kind of smaller french races but yeah you you, you when you're on a bike you feel like you feel like french <laughs> you feel like one of them <laughs> uh, is there anything uh, is, is there anyone i should say that you that you see on the tour now or anywhere really that you look up to and you think you know he's somebody that really does inspire me or she's somebody that really inspires me inspires me that I don't know. That's a, I've never really like had had people that, that have inspired me. Mm. I never really like to when people say, "Oh, I want to follow in." I want to follow in Bradley Wiggins' footsteps or Chris Froome's footsteps. No, like I, I've got my own shoes and I want to make my own footsteps. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's quite a hard question. I like, think that mate, that's a that's probably the best answer you're going to give. To be fair, I, I, I respect I respect them all. Like I know how hard they train and stuff. But yeah, I guess there's no one that really kind of stands out. Do you feel like that at any point you've you've had to make great sacrifice for bike racing no i don't think i have like maybe if i was if, if i wasn't as fortunate and in, in a position that youtube and social media was my job and i had to go to work like a lot of my a lot of my mates do her race with 
then I guess you kind of have to make more sacrifices. And but no, I don't think I've ever had to because like I don't I don't drink. I don't really go out, so it's not as if you know. I, you know, I see some of my mates that they say they have to make sacrifices because they can't go out, can't go out drinking to the clubs at weekends. They got a race on Sunday, but um, I, I'm very independent and I'm, you know, I, I, my days are kind of consist of of planning vi- training, planning videos, filming videos, and spending time with my girlfriend. So mm. let's just touch on that YouTube side of things once again. And it was interesting then you said about planning videos yeah where does that come from because obviously you're basically training as a professional athlete and then you've got this creative side of your brain that you need to work as well yeah how, how does your how does your planning process work for youtube that's kind of the hardest thing actually they're trying to be like to be creative whilst training as well because a lot of the time when you're training Doing, doing a hard session you come home you, your brain's just mangled the last thing you want to be doing about it is thinking thinking about you know work and, and think trying to be creative and thinking about cool ideas so yeah I don't really know where it comes where does it come from <laughs> I don't know. it's a good question I was I, yeah um, just kind of comes out yeah yeah so I try and do a lot I try and do a lot of like my, my thinking and stuff before I train so I kind of have this schedule where I'll get up at about kind of half seven eight o'clock and then I'll have a couple of hours a couple hours working and then I'll, I'll head out training about 10 or 11 um sometimes even later just because i can think better bit when kind of pre-training before my brain's been been mangled and but i guess i guess also like when i'm doing an easier ride you know you're out on the road you've got four four or five hours if you're doing a longer day you've got a long time to think so i guess a lot of my thinking comes from when i'm riding to be honest like i'll be doing something or for example, the other day, actually, I, I rode past, or a couple of weeks ago, I was riding past the train. I was like, oh, we could do a video of a train. I was like, I could race a train. I was like, I could find a route where the train and cycling should be around the same distance. And I managed to find, there was a route from Lancaster straight across to Darlington. So basically west to the east coast of the, of the country, um, across the North Yorkshire Moors, mega, mega cycling roads but you're in the middle of, of, of nowhere. So there's no there's no train train line. So if you want to get a train to Darlington from Lancaster, you have to go down to Manchester, across to York, and then up to Darlington. And it's around three and a half hours. Or, no, three hours, 12 minutes, I think. I can't remember. And to cycle at 75 miles, I'm thinking, right, if I average, like I'm starting to work out, if I average 20, 21.8 mile an hour or something, 22 mile an hour, then I'll be able to beat the train. So I was like, so one of my mates, Chris, who, who does a lot of the, the challenges with me, He's always up for a bit of a laugh. I was like, "Listen, mate, do you want to do you want to do you want to race me on a on a train?" And he's like, "All right, let's do, let's do it." So um, yeah, we we basically filmed the video where I raced him. I tried to do a little bit of a a little bit of like a an action scene at the start, like we both started cycling together, and we did this scene where he got dropped, and then he turned around, at the, and I got to the top of the climb. He he turned around halfway up, and I was like, so I rang him. I was like, "Where are you, mate? What what what's happened to you?" And he's like, "Oh, he's like, screw this. I'm not riding with you. I'm getting the train." I'll race you there, last one there, whatever. And, and the, the, the forfeit was we got this big inflatable sumo suit with like a little motor in. So it, it was constantly blowing air into it. So basically you're just like a yeah big sumo guy uh, dressed in this suit. And we got to Darlington. I beat him because his train was delayed. Shout out to British Transport <laughs> for, helping me, for helping me there. 
he was so he, he he was he was about five or ten minutes behind me um so he had to walk around darlington for the afternoon dressed as a sumo and the funniest thing is no one even batted an eyelid one woman one woman went oh you off sumo wrestling and the rest just didn't even second look him it's like it's like a normal sight went into went into greg's and he got a um a vegan sausage roll and I had my camera filming, so I was like half expecting a funny reaction, and the woman just didn't. She just completely straight faced him, like that's that's eight to nine p or whatever. Standard Tuesday afternoon, yeah, in Darlington. <laughs> exactly what happened. Anything goes. Have you got a favourite video you've shot? Probably, probably that one. Probably that one. Yeah, just because it was, it was funny. Like I love, I love, just I love, I love it when something comes out funny more than anything naturally funny as well exactly rather yeah. than that forced fun that you see a lot yeah exactly yeah. oh yeah yeah like that and that's one thing i'm not good at i'm not an actor like i can't fake stuff i'm a cyclist like i'm you know i'm not i'm not an actor so yeah uh probably that video or or the, the ride back from france that i did just because it was at the end of the season and i had nothing to train for and not, no racing going on so it was kind of it was one of the one of the very few times where i've been out riding a bike and not I didn't, I, don't, I didn't even have a power meter on my bike, so I didn't even know how hard I was going or anything like that. So it's kind of just, just, just a week of just riding the bike, like purely and genuinely for the fun of riding a bike. Mm, it looked like a hell of a laugh, that journey as well. Yeah, oh yeah, it's class. Yeah, it's class. What was the high point of that, do you reckon? On the days when we had a mega headwind, a tailwind, mega tailwind, they were flying along. Because <laughs> the thing is, like, you've got, you've got big pannier bags as well with, with, with all your belongings in, so you're probably carrying like 15 16 kilos including the bike you know, you're yeah. probably carrying or maybe even up to 20 kilos i don't know i didn't, didn't weigh my bike but I, I just know it felt felt bloody heavy so so yeah the high point is definitely when you have it when you have a bit of tailwind and you're just cruising along and it feels like you're just pedaling air but it was quite interesting because we're having to book because depending on like the the headwind you know the wind situation or the weather situation or what time we'd be riding we didn't actually know where we're going to be for that for the following day so we couldn't pre-plan accommodation so we had to we're riding along and um yeah we're booking booking accommodation as we were riding which actually for the first night i say probably one of the one of the the very few low points was i I thought i thought oh it's all right i don't need to book accommodation Uh, i'll just i'll just i'll just book and we land in limoges we landed at like three o'clock so i knew we'd do a bit of cycling but we wouldn't obviously get too far because it goes dark like what Mm. seven o'clock maybe at that time of the year eight o'clock so i knew we could get three or four hours in i was like right we'll land we'll pack the bikes we'll set off we'll find somewhere to eat and then we'll work we're going to stay then we'll book some accommodation anyway we we landed realized it was sunday and in in france nowhere's open on a sunday absolutely nowhere especially in limoges where it's like asked like no in the middle of nowhere food was out of the equation we we tried finding supermarkets restaurants we found one restaurant actually one like pub kind of restaurant place in his little village and we went in and it was an english guy and he said that they were closing down because he just divorced with his wife so <laughs> i don't know what we'd walked in on but um he, he didn't look very happy poor guy poor guy and um, you're in there hey mate you got any uh you got any burgers on there yeah i was like i was like, I was like any chips mate even just chips he's like no he said everything he said everyone's walked everyone's left me everyone's walked out of me the chef's gone my wife's left me so whether the chef's gone off of his wife oh i don't know but conspiracy it was quite a weird yeah it's just they're in there drinking a beer poor guy actually pretty quite pretty quite a sad situation but um anyway so then we're like right no food let's try and find accommodation we started booking accommodation on airbnb and the way that works is you request to stay and then the person accepts 
yeah, I applied. I, I um, requested to stay at the first place, got declined because it was last minute. Second place got declined, and I think it was literally about the sixth place. We found this place at like eight o'clock at night. It's pitch black, so we ended up having to ride like four hours on no food. We went to bed in this this woman's this woman's house. She had, she rented out a room based on Airbnb. We managed to she managed to accept it. It was the smallest. It was like one of those one and a half beds, like right, okay. like a bit smaller than a double, but bigger than a single so me and my mate had to share this bed and we woke up the next morning and that yeah that, that, that was pretty rough because we, we hadn't eaten for like 24 hours and there's nothing worse than a hungry cyclist i know and we had to ride i think it's about an hour and a half to the next like to the first big town where we just we ate a lot of food <laughs> just went in there like give me one of everything yeah literally yeah literally. everything and then we went over we went at 10 o'clock we got there at like 10 I think we set up like nine. Nah, got there at ten, and they were like, "Oh, we don't stir food till half ten. You want to go somewhere else?" We're like, "No, nah, we're gonna we're gonna stay here, and we're gonna wait till your kitchen opens, and then we're gonna eat some food." <laughs> if someone's listening to this now and they're thinking, "You know what? I I quite like the idea of having to go at cycling." What would you give them as as like advice about getting into the sport? Don't worry about buying anything expensive. So when I did the trip back from France, it was you know seven hundred miles over seven days. It was hundred miles a day, and um, like I'm lucky, I, I I work with 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 a bike brand, um, and they gave me basically one of their like cheap aluminium bikes for that trip, kind of kind of by accident actually. And I was like, oh whatever, I'll just roll with it. It'll be fine. It'll work. Um, and that, that's kind of the, the cheaper end of their range, and it was absolutely fine. Like it was a super comfy bike. It's the first time in a few years I've not ridden like a, an expensive carbon bike or whatever, and it's absolutely fine. So I'd say, yeah, buy even a second-hand bike off of eBay or, or Gumtree or something. You don't need a lot to get going, mm. and then kind of naturally you'll 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 progress. You know, if, if if you enjoy it, if you enjoy cycling, you know, you, you'll you'll find the time or the money to save for for a more expensive bike, mm. which might be a little bit lighter, so you go a little bit faster. But yeah, in terms of going from point A to B, you don't you don't need a lot. Again, a big thank you to Cam. If you haven't checked out his channel, I would implore you to do that. Some brilliant videos, a personal favourite of mine, him cycling up Alpe d'Huez on a Boris bike. Very funny, very, very imaginative, and just a brilliant, brilliant video. Uh, so go and subscribe to Cam's channel if you don't. And whilst you're subscribing, do click subscribe on this podcast if you haven't yet. We'll be back again in another two weeks with another brand new episode. And until then, stay safe and well.